You're listening to Heartland Politics with Robin Johnson, a presentation of WVIK Quad Cities NPR. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Heartland Politics show and podcast, which is aired on and distributed by WVIK Quad Cities NPR. WVIK is the flagship public radio station in the Quad Cities region of northwestern Illinois and eastern Iowa. This is your host, Robin Johnson, and today we're continuing our look uh, over the past two weeks at what's going on in the state capitals of Iowa and Illinois. Um, As I mentioned last week, totally different political landscapes. Uh, Last week, uh, we talked about Illinois, had Brendan Moore on from Lee Enterprises, and um, he was mentioning how uh, the Democrats have control of the trifecta, the governor's office in both houses of the legislature. And you'll hear today the agenda in in Iowa is quite different. Um, here to do uh, share that with me and kind of what's going on in Des Moines is Aaron Murphy, uh, a friend and who's been on the show several times over the years. He's the state uh, government and politics reporter for the Gazette. And um, Aaron, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, always glad to be on and talk with you, Robin. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to be on because it's a very busy time. But uh, um, I suspect listeners who listened last weekend this week will notice a little bit of difference in some of the philosophical and partisan priorities um, on each side of the river. But um, I I guess we'll start with the major news. In Illinois, it was an assault weapons ban. In Iowa, it's uh, a a private school aid plan. Can you uh, talk about that a little bit and kind of discuss some of the details of it? Yeah, and this one goes back to um, uh, actually a couple years here. Uh, it's it's a proposal that uh, Republican Governor Kim Reynolds, Kim Reynolds has brought to us before um, and uh, it, in different forms, in smaller forms, um, actually, and, and was unsuccessful in each of the past two years. It uh, passed in the Republican-led Senate, but uh, did not have enough votes to pass in the Republican-led House. Um, she took it out on the campaign trail and and actually even actively campaigned against um, some members of her own party in the Republican primaries in this past election um, against those members that those Republicans that did not support her proposals and 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 some of those Republicans were defeated. Um, and so they came back um, this year in the House with um, a few more Republicans and a different makeup, uh, as I said, and partially because of those primary results. Um, so they, uh, the governor took a third crack at it and actually, despite being unsuccessful with her previous two proposals, introduced something this year that was dramatically bigger. Um, it went from, um, uh, I believe it was um, a thousand scholarships uh, that was proposed last year to a program that now will be phased in, but ultimately will be available to literally every K-12 student in Iowa within uh, four years. So um, she went big, and uh, because of that new makeup in the legislature, especially in the House, uh, she was successful this time, and, and they they moved it and passed it pretty quickly. She introduced the bill the night she gave it um, her condition to the state address uh, on the January the 10th, and uh, by uh, I, I, I can't remember the exact date. It was the 25th or 26th. It was signed into law. So just a little more than two weeks, um, they moved the bill and got it signed into law. So um, 
starting with the next school year. Um, and again, this is phased in, so it uh, gives some preference in the first few years to lower income students. Uh, any any um, one who qualifies who is eligible will be able to apply for a $7,600 roughly um, state funded um, scholarship that will go into account that they can put towards private school education, whether it's tuition, books, uh, a, a couple of different uh, things they could put that towards. And like I said, that will gradually grow and expand to where it will be available to literally any K-12 student in the state. And um, at the uh, full implementation, it's estimated to be a, about a, close to a $350 million program annually. Aaron, what's, what's, what's driven this by the governor? and Republican leaders. I mean, I know ever since the uh, gov Virginia governor's race where public schools were such a big issue, it seems like the Republicans have been driving more local control. And in this case, it's even more parental control. And then some on the left are saying this is more uh, efforts to control what kids are learning as far as uh, critical race theory and uh, yeah. other types of social issues, cultural issues. Um, is this... Is this um, uh, a desire to just improve the schools or are there other motivations behind this? Yeah. So the government, uh, I'm sorry, the governor's uh, main argument is that uh, this choice, this, this option to send a, a student to private school should be um, an option for any Iowa student and family, um, regardless of their income. And um, while that is already the case, what, what she's saying is that this, state funding should be made available to help uh, anyone uh, who wants to make that choice to send their student to a private school instead of the public school. Um, school school choice as a proposal has been is not new to the Capitol even before these last three years and the governor's proposals it's been uh, debated and 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 considered and it was just not a majority issue even among Republicans. Um, I, it in the last couple of years, um, since the pandemic in particular and, and the year that we had where a lot of schools were closed for a long time, that has put education issues um, uh, much more in the forefront, especially on the uh, Republican or conservative side. You hear them uh, talking a lot more about education issues and, and, and curriculum and, and, and things like that. And, and so I think that certainly gave this issue a, a push um, and, and is why the governor ultimately was to, able to get this done as, as this issue kind of continued to snowball uh, uh, within her party. Um, and, and yeah, you, you mentioned some of the concerns uh, uh, the Democrats who've pushed back against this note that, um, well, especially this uh, specific proposal because of its size, it's now available to, as I said, eventually literally everyone. So, so families that are um, maybe are on the wealthier side of the scale and can already well afford this and already have been putting their kids through private school comfortably will also be eligible for this. Um, uh, so the argument here is, you know, you'll have low income taxpayers who are now subsidizing um, wealthy families to put their children through private school. Um, uh, there's also the uh, concern has been expressed about um, putting taxpayer money uh, to support private schools that don't have the same reporting requirements and, and exception requirements that, that public schools have. You know, a public school has to take a student regardless private schools can be selective uh, about who they um, allow to enroll. So um, it was it was quite the debate and you heard a lot of uh, arguments on both sides and a lot of people very, very passionate. Uh, um, 
there's a lot of uh i just know from my inbox a lot of interest in in this bill and this topic and um it's going to be interesting now to watch as the program unfolds and is implemented over the next few years. Yeah. I, what, what, one of the major concerns I know expressed was the impact on rural schools. Cause I think we've even, you and I talked about this a couple of times in the past where a lot of choice plans, um, there's just not as many, cho- as many choices available in rural areas. Um, and I know this was brought up and I know this was a major uh, concern. Uh, how did, how have the proponents kind of answered that and said, uh, well, you know, you know, Here's how it's going to help rural schools. Yeah, and that's and that's a good point to raise too, because as we talked about how this proposal failed in the past few years, that was pretty much specifically why uh, it didn't have enough votes in the House because specifically House Republicans who represented, pardon me, represented rural districts expressed concerns and couldn't ultimately support this bill. Um, I don't know that anything as far as that specific issue changed uh, really. And, 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 and we asked that question and um, there was really no clear answer that, that what was put forward this year, even though it was different than, like I said, bigger, broader in scope, doesn't necessarily do anything to change rural schools specifically. Now I will say there is a provision in the bill that um, for every student within a public school's boundaries, goes to a private school the state will also add a a lower level of funding back to that public school district so even though that student isn't there it's at that student is at a private school the the, the public school will get a a little bit of funding uh, for that student and and that's meant to offset uh, or at least try to help offset um, any losses that public schools may have moving forward now now the problem is it's it's $7600 that goes out the door if a if a student leaves a public school and it's only a $1200 appropriation that comes back in so it's it's not making them whole necessarily but but it was an attempt to at least try to address that so so uh, that'll be interesting too um you know it, it's i think it's going to be really there were a lot of very dire warnings about what this could do to rural school districts and that's going to be one of the main things that will follow as this program gets implemented because what what smaller school districts will tell you is if two or three people walk out the door at a Des Moines public school, it's not a huge deal to their budget and their operations. If two, three, four, five students walk out the door at a very small school in rural Iowa um, and that funding leaves with them, that's that's a much bigger deal uh, to, to that size of school. Um, now, on the other hand, you have a, a lot of areas of the state where there are no private schools uh, near those rural rural public schools. So maybe it won't make a big difference to them because students won't leave anyways because they really don't have that option. Uh, that's why I say I think there's I think there's some big questions that we have right now that we won't get a clear answer on until we're a year, two, three into this, and and, and that's why I say it's going to be very fascinating to to monitor and cover in the years to come. Yeah, I, I'm just curious. I, I haven't seen it. Maybe you have. Have the proponents developed any estimates of how many students they think will take advantage of this? Uh, have they done any polling or marketing on that? Um, basically, what when we talk to the governor's office um, and uh, and I think LSA, which is the uh, nonpartisan kind of agency here at the state, the, the legislature that analyzes uh, legislation, what they did was 
made their best projections based on how what happens in other states that have similar programs and and um what we're told and that happens in other states is that it's actually a pretty low percentage of students to take advantage of these at the end of the day for whatever reason um only in the um like five percent range of of public school students who opt to go to private school instead um, once these programs are introduced. Now, this is a little bigger proposal than what some other states have. So maybe we'll see more than that in Iowa. I think that's, a, that's another unknown, uh, but that's what the history shows us in other states anyways. You're listening to Heartland Politics on WVIK Public Radio in the Quad Cities. This is your host, Robin Johnson. And my guest today is Aaron Murphy. Uh, friend who's been on the show multiple times you may have the gold medal i think uh i always enjoy having <laughs> you on to talk government and politics uh aaron is the uh state government and politics reporter for the gazette and uh we've been talking a little bit about the major action in des moines um this winter so far in the legislative session of passing the uh private school uh assistance bill and aaron's been providing some background information on it and uh, uh we'll turn to some other uh, action being taken. What are what are some of the other top priorities that you see that uh, Republicans who control the governor's office in both houses of the legislature that they're really focusing on to get done? Are there like two or three major things you see they'll get done? I I think so, and and one of them actually that we're kind of in the throes of right now is, is as soon as they turned from that that private school funding piece, um, we're still kind of in the education field. There's a lot of focus on bills. Um, as I said earlier, there's there's more attention, especially in conservative circles, on curriculum and, and materials and classrooms and, and library books. And and we're starting to see those kinds of bills um, move now. Um, curriculum that deals with LGBTQ uh, uh, issues and topics. Uh, uh, we saw a couple of bills on that yesterday. Um, and, uh, and these also can be very polarizing bills. People feel very strongly on either side. Uh, so, so, so with, with, with the, with the funding, the private school funding piece, uh, Republicans have kind of turned now their attention to the, um, public school, uh, you know, policy side of, of, of education for now. Uh, we're also going to very much have a property tax debate, um, in the legislature here and, and probably sooner than later, uh, Republican house Republicans have already propose their bill and and um, and I'm told Senate Republicans uh will be coming uh pretty soon here uh just talked to Dan Dawson who um is the Ways and Means chair and, and he said that'll be coming sooner than later um to see what their proposal looks like uh but but regardless at the end of the day what the, what what Republicans want to do is uh you know in past years they passed a number of state income tax uh reductions uh, now they want to turn their attention to property taxes, and and that gets a little more interesting because those levels are also set at at the city and county level. So now you've got the the, the local governments uh, coming into play as well, um, and so it'll be interesting to follow that uh, discussion and and see ultimately what they pass out of here in, in an attempt to lower Iowans property taxes. Interesting. Um, it. You know, we've we've had some of the uh, uh, philosophical debates where you know Republicans were party always of uh, uh, not putting mandates on local governments mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. as much, and the Democrats were more for that. And now it seems to have flipped, uh, where the Republicans are more uh, interested. It seems like in in 
mandating certain things on the local level um, and and saying they're empowering parents. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of city government and school board leaders who would agree with that assessment <laughs> across yeah. the state. Yeah, it's just interesting how how both parties kind of switch things to uh, meet their meet their own philosophical bents. Yeah, yeah, I've had the thought that it it may be less a Republican Democrat thing and more a majority and minority party thing. The majority yeah. party wants to do what they want to do regardless of what the 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 governments down the line think about it. Right, flexing their muscle a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, some other school issues and property tax uh, re- relief. Is there any anything else? Uh, um, I've seen, and this this may be a question with an obvious answer, but that pipeline issue in Iowa, CO two pipeline, seem to really be. Uh, it seems to be going at uh, coming up at the organic lo- local level. Is there any talk of any type of legislation there, Aaron, uh, in Des Moines? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's the, that's what I was going to say next, and, and and it's an interesting one because so far there's been um, some noticeable hesitance among state lawmakers of either party um, to wade too deeply into this. It, it's one of those interesting issues that doesn't cut right along party lines necessarily, um, and, and you have legislators who are talking about, you know, they understand and want to protect local landowners, individual landowners' property rights. Uh, but they also see potentially the benefits of, of these pipelines. Um, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> if I may allow myself to be a little bit cynical here, you you could look at this and say, Republicans don't want to come out too hard against the pipelines because the, uh, uh, you know, they're going to back uh, uh, the companies that put these together and, and the, and the ethanol industry and the state that thinks it's a good thing. Um, and then Democrats uh, are going to be hesitant to speak out too uh, much against them because the labor unions uh, represent the workers that put these pipelines together. So uh, regardless of the motivations, it, it has been a very interesting one where there's a lot of talk about it. Anytime you ask any legislator about it, they admit that they hear about it a lot, uh, but they're very hesitant to wade too deep into it and endorse uh, some kind of policy over the other. Now, I, I, I believe we're going to have a debate and we'll see some kind of legislation. Uh, talked to Bobby Kaufman a little bit ago about this, and and he said uh, he expects there to at least be a bill on the House side. Uh, I don't don't know exactly what that will look like yet, what kind of proposal it's going to be. They've pitched moratoriums here in the past. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, might some kind of bill address uh, you know, the number of voluntary easements that, that a project has to have before they can use eminent domain, uh, something along those lines. Uh, we're going to have a bill, we're going to have a debate, uh, but uh, I, I think we're legislators still figuring out exactly what that looks like and what they can get behind. Uh, we hear we hear a lot of talk about it, but don't see a lot of bills moving on it yet. I like those issues that make uh, that, that have cross currents that make the party squirm a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, well, we gotta we gotta talk Iowa, Iowa caucuses. I mean, even <laughs> you know, even, I remember one time we brought it up just when there was nothing going on. But uh, um, you know, the, the way it stands right now, the way I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the Democrats are moving on 
from Iowa host uh, the first caucus in the nation, the first competition in the nation. Republicans are still there, where you could have the right. Republicans having the first in the nation and the Democrats not. Um, I, I've read one of your recent pieces where leaders are trying to make the case to uh, get the national party to reverse that. Do you think there's much of a chance? I, I don't. I don't. We haven't heard. You know, I understand why the local party, why the state party is going to say that and, and put on an optimistic and brave face and and, and say they're going to fight till the end on this. But but um, I, I don't see the National Party um, changing their minds. The, the only small sliver of hope that's there is there. There is some, there are some issues in the plan that the National Party put forward and without getting too deep into the weeds that it essentially involves um, while the National Party can talk about the calendar and do what they can to organize it, this also is guided by state laws and 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 uh, and states have control over when they hold their elections and their primaries. And so what the Democrats, the National Democrats have run into is they've uh, put some Republican uh, some states that have Republican government leaders, uh, Republican majorities who are not necessarily willing to go along this with the plan. Um, and it would take ch changes in state law in order to do it. So so they've run into some hiccups with the plan. So so maybe if you're Iowa and you're an Iowa Democrat who really wants to cling to the hope of first in the nation, your hope is that this new plan just keeps blowing up and, and they're not able to move forward with it and the status quo continues. Now, I, 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 I still find it hard to believe that after everything they went through that that would be the case and that Iowa will be first again on the democratic side, but, but that's maybe where the sliver of hope lies. And in the meantime, you're right on, on the other side, um, uh, Republicans kept their calendar the same, at least for 24. Uh, so we'll see all the Republican presidential candidates here, uh, just like we would have, um, uh, what will be interesting for them moving forward though now is how strong do they feel in that position? Now that the Democrats changed their calendar, um, white Republicans, uh, in other states want to, want to shuffle things around. And I'm sure that's something that Jeff Kaufman is is very wary about. It's a good segue to my next question, because uh, this is the time uh, every four years when candidates start coming in. I want, of course, Democratic presidential candidates won't be as it stands right now. But um, Trump's still the kind of the 800 pound gorilla out there. He's always had pretty strong support in Iowa. Uh, have you started seeing some Republican candidates come into the state like there were, say, four, eight years ago, eight years in particular? Not this year. It's been decidedly slow. Uh, and, I, and now, look, we're exactly one month into the year, so so there's plenty of time. Um, but at this time, four years ago, uh, we had more uh, activity than we've seen uh, so far. I, I remember... Um, two cycles ago, uh, I apologize when, because uh, Donald Trump was the incumbent uh, four years ago, so eight years ago, yeah. uh, there was a gigantic um, multi-candidate event in Des Moines in January, uh, hosted by Citizens United that, that featured uh, all, uh, a number of candidates, in, including um, uh, Donald Trump. And and so they were already off and running at this point eight years ago. Um, and, and we haven't seen, now we saw a bunch last year during the midterms, which is not uncommon. They come here uh, to support Iowa candidates, um, I say with air quotes <laughs> around that because yeah. they're also they're also helping their own cause. Um, but since that election and since the calendar flipped, we've seen very very little action. We just got a, a notice that Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, is coming back soon. He's been here a number of times, um, and uh, the, uh, Asa Hutchinson, the governor of I, I believe it's Arkansas. Forgive me if I'm yeah. I'm wrong about that. Okay. Former governor. Um, 
former governor, thank you, um, uh, was here recently. Uh, and I think that has been it. Um, uh, so it's been very, very quiet. Uh, Nikki Haley just announced, we'll see if she comes to Iowa soon. I would presume she would now that she's has announced because she's been to Iowa a number of times before. Um, but, but it's, uh, other than that, it's been very, very quiet on that front. And for the very reason, I, I think, uh, you noted, I mean, all those candidates that have been here a number of times, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, um, I, I could go on and on but who came here a lot during the midterm year have not been back, uh, in 2023 so far. Final question. Uh, we've got about two minutes here. The Democrats just elected another state chairman, uh, Rader, former Senator Rita Hart, who was also a lieutenant governor candidate with uh, Fred Hubble. Uh, it seems like they've had a revolving door in that position. Um, do you see anything there in her platform and what she's promised to give hope to Democrats to start uh, digging out of the hole that they're, they've been in? Yeah, well, I think, you know, what she's presented so far uh, probably to Democrats sounds like the right idea at a at a 35,000 foot level. Uh, but she hasn't given us much in the way of details, uh, you know, which, you know, she's just elected. So um, she has time to flush that out. But, um, you know, she's talked about needing to look at the way that the party organizes and, and, and maybe gives a little more attention to rural areas of the state where the party has uh, been losing voters uh, um, in, in recent cycles. Um, uh, and she talks about the need to, to, to perform better in fundraising in order to put those resources together to have better organizing. So she, she's saying things that I, I, I believe Iowa Democrats can agree with, but the, the question now is how exactly do you pull that off? How do you get there? And then that'll be uh, the challenge that faces Rita Hart and, and her administration. Um, she comes from a rural area of the state in Southeast Iowa. She was one of the last, um, state legislators who represented a majority rural district in the Iowa legislature. There's very few of those left. Um, gosh, if I say that, there might not be any left. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think there are. Yeah, uh, Todd Bowman, Kevin Kenny were and Rita Hart. Uh, those were among the last and none of them are around anymore. Um, so so, she, you know, she she has that perspective and, and that experience. Uh, she's been leading the Clinton County District uh, or sorry, Clinton County Democrats recently so she knows the challenges that, that the county parties face at that level um <clears throat> so so it'll be interesting to see how she implements those you know big picture ideas moving forward aaron murphy's been our guest today on heartland politics aaron is the uh, uh state house uh, state government and politics reporter for the gazette and uh, aaron is always a great conversation we could keep going a while here but i'm <laughs> out of time and uh thank you again and i'm sure we'll i look forward to having you back yeah, never a shortage of things to talk about. I appreciate it as always, Robin. Anytime. You're listening to Heartland Politics with Robin Johnson, a presentation of WVIK Quad Cities NPR. PR.